Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Andrea Gazzetta! Yay! Yay! <laughs> and, uh... No, it's just me. Uh, I probably fooled you, but through the magic of editing, I was actually able to perfectly recreate my two wonderful co-hosts. Uh, we have got a great episode for you today. Paige is continuing her series on uh, Satanic Panic, featuring our special guest Blaine Gibson from Good Morning From Hell and a bunch of other really cool shit on Rooster Teeth. Uh, you can find them all over the Rooster Teeth app and uh, Rooster Teeth's official website, roosterteeth.com, where you can also find our show. Uh, we didn't have time to record an intro when we were laying this uh, beautiful track down, uh, so instead we figured that we would do it now. Um, yeah, not a whole bunch going on. If you want more of Paige in your life, which honestly, who doesn't? Paige is fucking awesome, dude. And the more Paige you get in your life, uh, scientifically speaking, the longer you live. Yeah. Nine out of ten doctors agree, and that tenth doctor is Paige. She doesn't want you to know the secret. Also, she's a doctor. That's another secret she was keeping from you. Um, if you want more Paige in your life, might I suggest checking out Horror Virgin. Uh, it's our sister show where they force uh, Horror Virgin Todd to watch a bunch of scary movies that he does not enjoy, and they kind of break them down. And it's a whole lot of fun. Um, and if that sounds interesting, but you're not really into scary movies, might I suggest Romancing the Pod, which is a very similar show that they do uh, about romantic comedies. And it is fucking fantastic. Highly recommend. If you want more Andrea Gazetta in your life, might I suggest following her on Instagram at Andrea Gazetta uh, or going to her website, andreagazetta.com, which is where you can find a bunch of her really dope artwork, including, uh, I think she still has them up, but some really cool masks that she made uh, featuring a lion design that she painted earlier. Super cool, super worth it, very high quality products. Go check that out. Again, that's at Andrea Gazetta on Instagram or andreagazetta.com. Uh, if you want more of me in your life, which honestly, not sure why you would. Um, I mean, I'm living this life, kind of want less of it as it is. Uh, <laughs> God, this has turned into my therapy session and I got to talk to somebody. Um, if you want more of me in your life, I will be uh, today, tonight, this Monday. Uh, I will be featuring on the game show Run On. Um, it's by uh, Comedy Network Too Much Bread. And uh, yeah, you can find more information on my Instagram right now. Um, or if you're listening to this first thing in the morning, probably a couple hours from right now. But that is going to be at 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific Time, which is 8 p.m. Central Time and 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, they're going to be streaming it live. So come check it out. Come hang out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Tomorrow on Tuesday, I will be streaming some more Among Us on Rooster Teeth. Uh, go ahead and get the app or go to that really cool website that I talked about earlier where Blaine's on. Uh, and you can watch me and some of the Rooster Teeth crew playing Among Us, which is a game all about fucking murder and lying, which is kind of closer to what the Satanic Panic uh, was supposed to be. But instead, as we learned through this great series, was not really that. So uh, without much further ado, uh, let's get into the show. Hello. Hello. 
Um, that's editing, baby. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits. And as always, these these are are our opinions. opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have Andrea Cazetta. Yay! Yay! And also we have Blaine Gibson. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Am I allowed to yay myself? Is that allowed? Yeah. One hundred percent appropriate. Okay. You Definitely. sound like a you sound like a teenager just discovering masturbation. Like, am I allowed to yay myself? <laughs> <laughs> Is Yay. that okay? <laughs> the answer is yes, but not in public. Oh. <laughs> All right. Are you guys ready? So just a little peek behind the curtain. We recorded part one of this a month and a half ago. Oh. I don't remember anything that happened. I know, because the entire beginning of the first part of this series is us going like, hey, it's about to be Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> There's like jingle bells in the background and we're all excited. Yeah. We had no idea there was going to be like an insurrection or anything. We're just like, yeah, everything's fucking great. Guys, oh. this horrible year is coming to a close finally and only better things can be ahead. Oh, no. <laughs> It got worse. <laughs> I, it's okay. Mm. I can recap it for you guys. All right. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Satan stuff. A uh, lot of different religions. Yeah. They uh-huh. did. Mm-hmm. The idea of Satan wasn't a thing that was like invented by. <sighs> I can't remember. I got to remember any of it. Your idea is just Satan is a construct, dude. It's like not even real. <laughs> I actually read back through my notes today to be like, what the fuck did we say a month ago? Uh, But okay, brief recap. uh, Good and evil and the duality of man has been a common theme through most religions throughout time, but it's rare to have a specific like entity that represents evil within a religion. Uh, Christianity and Zoroastrianism are some of the first to do that with Christianity Uh, A lot of it pulls from older Jewish scriptures in which it's not necessarily one entity, but multiple entities acting on the part of evil. And as we get distance from those original writings and as fringe groups co-opt them, we end up with a more kind of combined version of that that becomes what we then know as Satan later on. And most of what we know about the devil culturally is from uh, the Divine Comedy, so Dante's Inferno, and then some American folklore. So so they invented a fall guy. All the bad things needed to be pinned on one guy, and they were like, just, just call, call him Satan. And now all he's the it's, the Yeah, it's, it's a lot of things. like, there's a bunch of... <laughs> <laughs> all the bad things. There's a bunch of, uh, of fall guys in general. There's one main one that seems to be like a fallen angel that kind of took everybody with him, but it doesn't have a name. And then that name kind of gets assigned to 
that particular figure in the stories. Gotcha. So Satan is just Michael Scott and hell is Michael Scott paper company. Exactly. (laughs) Absolutely. I was going to say, so like the devil is just like the first toxic friend. (laughs) Oh man. Yes. I'm an empath. (laughs) <laughs> oh god this is what andrea and i have been doing to each other for weeks is just texting back <laughs> and forth messages of what we call sentient yoga pants they're just like <laughs> comfort yourself in the knowingness of being one with the dirt like just crazy things all like the time. you know how like white girls are just like okay i took this like really provocative photo of myself but i want to seem deep and like i have a personality and so they just refrigerator refrigerator magnet scramble a sentence together that involves the word enlightenment and they're like these are my thoughts i'm so divine yes you heard it here first folks andrea is declaring war on hot women (laughs) (laughs) stay doing hot girl shit andrea's coming for you all your thirst traps are belong to us. So. Here's the thing. I'm very pro hot girl shit, but I'm also yes. pro honesty and pro sentences that make sense. Yeah, yeah. That That's the key. It's like, I don't want to hear about your like knowing full gratitude. Like, that's not what I want. Just post a hot picture of yourself and be like, I titties. thought my tits looked great in this. Yeah. You can just uh, put titties with two Ds and I'll be like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. That's, that's, that's what's fine. in this picture. That's all, every yeah. caption for every photo on my Instagram. You can go check it out. <laughs> titties. <laughs> so are you guys ready to get into part two? Yes. Aye, 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 Captain. Even more sources than before. Titties. <laughs> titties. <laughs> there are some titties. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Oh, woo. That's a double D for me, dog. <laughs> So first source, obviously, because, you know, we always have to kind of fact check this kind of stuff against what the Bible says it should be, is the Bible, the book of Genesis, Job, Daniel, Matthew, Luke, and Revelation, as well as Mark. Uh, Then we also have CBC News's mini documentary, What Was the Satanic Panic? Uh, Then we have an article from CNN called The 70s, The Decade's Worst Serial Killers, And then we have St. Louis Today, a look at some of the most notorious serial killers since 1970. We have Ladies and Gentlemen, The Bronx is Burning by Jonathan Mahler. Uh, We have a podcast called The Devil in the Details, Episode 2, The Satan Seller. Then we also have Selling Satan, The Evangelical Media and Mike Warnke Scandal. Uh, We then also have an article from Christianity Today, uh, called The Investigation Article Claims Warnke's uh, Satanic Panic Past Fraud. And then we have a video of Mike Warnke's stand-up. Um, I don't yes. recommend it. I yes. will talk about it at length. But that's what we're digging into today. Hey, everybody. How you doing tonight? You ever uh, summon Satan and then he doesn't want to like hang out with you and you're like, what's the deal with that? <laughs> you ever summon Satan, but he's got to bring five other friends so that you can get stage time? <laughs> oh, That's I'm pretty sure the devil baseball. invented bringer shows. So 
<laughs> I do. I, before we move forward, really quick, I do want to point out that one of your sources uh, just sounded like it was calling all of St. Louis just a collective group of serial killers, <laughs> murderers. <laughs> a look at St. Louis, the worst serial killers since the seventies. I th- honestly, I think it's just because many of them either passed through or killed someone in St. Louis. Not all of them, but at least a handful of them. So they were just like, it's part of our history. Let's look at all of it. (laughs) St. Louis will make you hate humanity. Is that the arch? Is it a portal to somewhere? Is it a portal to murder? (laughs) Is that what we're doing? Yeah, the arch tells people messages. It tells them to kill. Yeah. Um, As opposed to the golden arches that are just like supersize it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, The first time I stabbed somebody, uh, I heard a voice in my head that was like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm stabbing it. Uh, So... (laughs) <laughs> when we ended our last episode, we ended right around the time of the Revolutionary War. So we're going to fast forward a little bit from there. We left off after the witch trials, and that attitude around the devil would prevail for about 200 years until the rise of the Industrial Revolution, which would bring a lot of changes. But also, America and the UK would see a rise in spiritualism movements, which we do not have time to get into today, but is a personal fascination of mine. So if you guys want an episode on spiritualism of the 19th and 20th centuries, we could do that eventually. Let us know. Um, But all this to say that the concept of the devil and or Satan becomes a cultural phenomenon reaching further than just the people practicing Christianity based religions, which brings us to one of the biggest questions about the satanic panic. Why? Why does it become so widespread? And I'd wondered this for myself like a long time. And I think after reading so much stupid shit, I have an answer for you. And it's going to kind of be our thesis statement for the rest of the series. Sometimes when stuff is bad and when people are responsible for evil acts and hurtful acts, people at large find it easier to reconcile the idea of a supernatural being as the root cause of that evil because it's less hurtful than believing that a human being is capable of that level of evil. That makes sense. I was listening to... uh the there's another podcaster and his stuff is great it's called dan carlin and he has a show called common sense Hard, oh do you oh do you, dan He's carlin my favorite yeah, i yeah, love yeah. him well he had a, a recent episode and he was kind of uh comparing what's going on today you know all the fucking shit show we're going through with uh what was going on in the nixon administration in the, in the 70s and there was like a rise in like domestic terrorism and bombings happening around that period of time and it's just like people were just going crazy and it was just because they're like upset with the state of the world i guess so they yeah explosions i guess would fix the problems i don't know most of this episode is largely going to take place in the 70s because of that specific thing and we're going to go through all the different stuff that was happening in the 70s um but i do want to just you know peek behind the curtain for the rest of the series i'm taking this to today so like we're following these trains these like you know, peaks and valleys of conspiracy theory and conspiracy thought to modern day. And the birth of kind of what we see a lot of today starts in the 70s. So that's where we at today. Well, I do think, too, that like if you're someone who believes in the concept of a loving creator or a loving God, and then you see all these horrible things happening, the only way to reconcile that with your belief is that there is an equally evil force fighting against the good force. 
So that kind of makes sense. Well, and, I mean, as we did establish last week, even though our concept of the devil is kind of a construct, the idea that there is an evil force does exist in the Bible, and the fact that there's an evil spirit world exists in the Bible. And so I think for some people it is easy to write things off like that, but I think that can be kind of dangerous. I think we do need to reconcile with the fact that people do evil things and we need to hold people accountable for the evil things that they do wink wink congress so (laughs) congress we know you listen to cult podcasts all right mitch mcconnell what's up i know you listen ted cruz go fuck yourself i hate you (laughs) this is coming from a texan you, Ted Cruz, you make you make chubby dudes with bad beards look bad. All right, come on. Man. <laughs> I'm struggling. Out yeah, it's here. definitely not the beard. No, no. <laughs> um, so all this to say that when people do really evil things, we see a harsh backswing against it, and that's why we see the satanic panic extend over a long period of time, and it kind of rears its ugly head whenever humanity is displaying some of its worst qualities. That's why today we're going to start with one of the most obvious times in our modern history where this has happened and how it kind of snowballed into the madness that we know colloquially as the satanic panic. Are we ready? Yes. yes. Aye, right. aye, Captain. I keep making SpongeBob references and no one's picking up on it. <laughs> aye, aye, Captain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forgot how SpongeBob has deep ties to Satanism in <laughs> modern times. I don't know if you know, but SpongeBob is a part of the deep state. Like we could get into it another time, but that's why it's Bikini Bottom because it's deep, like the what? bottom of the oh. ocean. No, I'm kidding. This is all fake. Oh, so I've always wondered this: Is Mr. Krabs George Soros? Is that are they the same person? <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but somebody should be asking these questions. <laughs> yeah, oh God, bringing that back. <laughs> it never left, Blaine. It's been here it waiting for it you. It literally to come. never left. Ah, it's like a good trusty pair of slacks i don't know square slacks yes <laughs> yes 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 square slacks um sponge robert square slacks so <laughs> the 1960s as we have covered many times on this show were a time of huge change in the u.s and across the world and the perfect time and place for cults and cult-like beliefs to take hold because we have an entire generation of adults mostly suffering from PTSD from World War II and grappling with how Hitler could have done the horrible things that he did, as well as Mussolini and others. Uh, And we have that generation's children reconciling a war that they believe is unjust. We have widespread civil rights demonstrations in hope of reform. So there's constant protests and new ways of thinking. And it's a time of change, but change is never easy. And so America has some pretty pronounced growing pains at the time. And when we look at the Satanic Panic, a lot of people point to Anton LaVey's establishment of the Church of Satan in San Francisco in 1966. But to be honest, for a long time, he was just the weird guy on the block. Like, we covered in our Satanism episode how Anton LaVey is just kind of a contrarian douchebag. Um in the, in the funnest way, uh, where he, for a long time, was just the guy who painted his house black and had friends over to party. It's kind of like atheism with fun costumes, and it's not really based on the Satan of the Bible as much as it's based on pissing off the status quo as much as possible. Yeah, some teenage shit. 
he's what we could describe as a as a contrarian. Yes. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, and this is kind of going to come into play a lot because what we're going to see is a lot of people accusing other people of worshiping Satan and being involved in Satanism and tying them to Anton LaVey when LaVey's doing completely different shit and has no idea that he's even being looped into this stuff. Um, but at the time, the people that knew Anton LaVey were either fascinated by him or worried about the property values of their homes next door. But it wasn't widespread. Even after Kenneth Anger's Lucifer Rising comes out, it's only really screened for film nerds and fans of the counterculture movement, and they aren't exactly the type to get squeamish about new ideas. So it really wasn't until about three years after founding the church that Anton LaVey starts to get some heat, and he gets it because of Charles Manson. Now, as we covered on our Manson episodes... The Manson murders shocked the world, literally everybody. Everyone couldn't really reconcile how something so evil could happen, even though equally evil or more evil things had been happening for a long time. Yeah, you mean more just people couldn't understand how something so evil and awful could happen to white women, specifically. Yes, exactly. That is exactly what I mean. <laughs> to, even to though, again, beautiful it had white been women. happening for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but for many people, the only explanation for those murders was evil itself. And suddenly people saw the devil in the details of the counterculture movement as a whole. And as LaVey was conveniently located at its epicenter in San Francisco, he and by extension Satan become an easy target. And again, this is a place where it's important to really be clear about why the Manson murders happened and who did them. Because it was people following a pretty persuasive con man who were then high on many drugs yeah. that's what happened including um, but not limited to lsd marijuana i believe some kind of like cocaine it was the funky potato the funky yeah. potato which is my personal fave yeah, yeah something yeah, called yeah. four loco <laughs> i made it so myself. with anton levey did he uh did he like lean into this was he like a a bad pro wrestling heel or was yes. he like not nah, oh he did all the time yeah uh, and we'll we'll get into it because he does it even when it's a bad idea <laughs> and oh i love it it's the craziest thing about because here's the thing <sighs> would never want to join not my thing don't agree with a lot of the stuff he does or says but at a certain point, you have to be like, he's on brand. Like he's the he's the most on brand he could possibly be. His I shaving. Just, I yeah. just googled him, and I, I love everything eyebrows? about this look. Yes, yeah. he looks like Ming the Merciless from Flash Gordon. He absolutely <laughs> does, and that is who he was modeling his look after. Yes, um, and modern Satanism. There, there are many different kinds. Uh, there is theistic Satanism where people are actually worshiping the Satan of the devil, but that's very much a minority and not at all who we're dealing with here. But the current like Satanic temple is not a huge fan of the Church of Satan, who's Anton LaVey. Anton LaVey's Church of Satan is like party Satanism, where they're like, we're going to get around, drink, do whatever, have our fun. But really, this is all a bit of a laugh. And then the Satanic temple are the ones that are like, we're removing statues from courthouses, and that's mainly what we do. 
<laughs> so whenever I was in high school, we had two different groups of Christians. I'm using mm-hmm. air quotes. Uh, we had the church like group guys, you know, like youth group that would go to like the Baptist church or whatever. And then we had this thing called Young Life. And I'm oh, not yeah. comparing Young Life to Satanism or whatever, but like those were like the party Christians, like shots for God. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> fucking what he's doing. That's lit uh, as hell. We at my school we had uh, Young Life, but that was just a SoundCloud rapper. Y U N G L Y F E. Young Life. He was Life. also Dumb. doing shots for God, but. Uh. <laughs> Young Life is really interesting, and we may have to kind of examine it on an episode someday because it. It really depends on like where you are in the country and which groups you've interacted with where some people encounter Young Life and it's like party Christians and then some other people encounter Young Life and they're like, they locked me in a basement until I prayed with them. And you're just like, oh no. (laughs) Young Life in in North Dallas was basically like uh, a beta for uh, fraternities and sororities. No offense to those, Paige, because I know that you were in one. But in Texas, they go fucking crazy with the story Greek life, and it's, yeah. it sucks. It sucks. The worst part is they called locking you in a basement seven minutes to get to heaven. That's oh. that was their game. <laughs> oh man, it's because the Lord is always with you. Yeah. <laughs> and again, that's not literal. I don't have like a story about somebody being locked in, but just like. We get requests to do love young life episodes all the time with crazy stories. But then alternately, we have a ton of people who are like, young life was great for me. Like I had a good time. (laughs) So it's kind of like fraternities and sororities, really, almost exactly, where it's like I wasn't hazed and it wasn't that bad. And I had a great time. But uh, for Jesus, what? (laughs) Praise. They call it praise. Praise. P-R-A-I-Z-E, praising people for Jesus. Uh, People have definitely been hazed for Jesus. Did you, you guys saw someone posted in the group, it was like the Gen Z Bible, and they just like replaced a bunch of the words so that it was like Gen Z vernacular, quote unquote. It was unreadable. It's so funny. Noah yeeted the (laughs) Get out of my brain. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, who yeeted somebody into the sun? (laughs) Um, Anyway, so what we're dealing with in this scenario is what I would call party Satanism. Uh, Party Satanism coming up against real fears about Satan. And I do think we do need to be clear. Part of the reason that Anton LaVey named his church the Church of Satan was to upset Christians. Like, that was the point where he's like, don't really care about the actual Satan of the Bible or their mythology behind it. But I know that this name is going to piss them off. It's just like every goth kid in high school. That's yeah, his whole exactly. energy. Yes. It sounds like he's like troll. Like this might be the invention yeah. of trolling as well. Who knows? I mean, I think trolling's been around for a long time in many forms, but I do think he is one of the most notable yeah. trolls. He for, for sure, sure for sure owned at least 10 trench coats. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we don't believe in God and we have capes. Like that's them. <laughs> Honestly, sounds fun. (laughs) I mean, he also didn't like drugs. So there's a lot of weird things about Anton LaVey, which we covered a lot of in our our earlier episode on him. He's a weird figure, but he's honestly... uh, He's kind of a cool guy. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go. I'm going to say that he's on the fringe and he's not really affecting a lot of change societally. But people keep blaming him for stuff, which is kind of hilarious, where he's just kind of this big personality that people are like, clearly that guy is the reason that everything's going to shit. And instead of just being like, hey, do you want to come? We're just honestly, it's a potluck. I don't know. Like, so he's like the 70s Eminem or, you know, whatever kind of like thing is going around or like the kids are getting the Satan from this guy. Yeah. yeah and or a Logan or Jake Paul, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. And instead of being like, hey, that's not us. We had nothing to do with it. A lot of times he'll respond with just like, oh, yeah, and this. And you're just like, not the time, Anton. Not the time. And this weekend, Anton LaVey is going to fight Floyd Mayweather. What's up? <laughs> I'm going to come tonight. Watch him get lost in this cape. <laughs> He's got those flow, big collars. Flow like a butterfly, sting like a, a cum night. <laughs> oh, it's so, so wet. The year 1969, when the Manson murders happened, a lot of people start trying to tie them to Anton LaVey. And part of that was because by pure dumb luck and bad timing, he publishes the Satanic Bible that year, which, by the way, not much to actually do with biblical Satan. It's mostly plagiarized self-empowerment speeches and Ayn Rand. So, like... <laughs> It's it's a lot of copy paste of of be your own you, uh, and that's what. But but he calls it the Satanic Bible, so people freak out for yeah. some reason. There's like four pages on architecture because he forgot to erase it from. <laughs> <laughs> I like the title he went with because I know his other working title was Live Laugh Satan, and uh, <laughs> doesn't have the same ring to it. How like how much effort did he put into the Satanic Bible? Like, was it like built into books, like the Book of Rand, and you know, and like no, verse? No, no? it's uh, to be honest. After reading a lot about Anton Lavey, I feel like he puts the minimum amount of effort into a lot of things that get a lot of attention, and he's like, it was a joke, <laughs> like. A lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, it's because of Troll. It was all a bit. It was all a bit. But he did publish it and sold a ton of copies. So, like, it's not cool that he plagiarized. That's pretty shitty. Mm. But it becomes this weird success for them. And it's at this point, because it's 1969, nice. we have to talk about the 1970s in America. A lot of people have called the 1970s America's most violent decade. And that's because it had more known serial killers than almost any other decade in history. And I say known serial killers because people were absolutely killing people before, um, but they often weren't caught or were caught and convicted without knowing the full scope of their crimes. And a lot of the technology and methods we have for tracking and capturing serial killers comes from the 1970s, along with something else, the evening news. Because I was just, uh, you get out of my brain because I was literally just looking up, when did news networks start? Because yep, like, mm -hmm. it's all about, they want to be the, the guy that's on the news. Yep. Are you telling me news networks haven't always existed? I thought they were like around since like caveman years. <laughs> 
tonight at six, fire. Bad? Bad? (laughs) (laughs) Do you know where your children's fires are? (laughs) Four recipes can make with rock. Um, Are capes the devil? Wait. (laughs) So the news has actually been around since forever uh, because everyone had to know what was going on. But it's taken a bunch of different forms. Uh, So... We've had newspapers, any number of things, but it really hits its stride in the 1940s when NBC started broadcasting a nightly news show simultaneously via radio and television. But the television version was only available in the greater New York area because that's how far the signal could reach at the time, but it set a precedent. So as we get into World War II, a lot of those televised programs were cut back. They just didn't have the time to man them or create them, and so radio became the more common form. But following the war, as straight white Americans settled into their picket fence lives, the news came back with a force, and many other networks got involved. Networks that had previously been radio only now had television stations. And suddenly, everyone who had invested in carrier pigeons was out a lot of money. (laughs) Indeed, and in a lot of pigeon poop, (laughs) because what are you going to do with them? And more houses had TVs than ever before, which means more stations had a place to broadcast and a wider reach. And so the landscape of our culture at that point is never the same. In 1948, CBS launches CBS Television News to compete with NBC, and they have it hosted on camera by a man named Douglas Edwards. And he becomes such a celebrity that it's renamed Douglas Edwards with the news in 1950. And in 1962, Walter Cronkite takes over that position, and he would hold it until 1981. And the program's name was changed then to CBS Evening News. And it expanded from just 15 minutes to 30 minutes. And in the 1970s, CBS Evening News was the dominant newscast on American television, and Walter Cronkite was actually called the most trusted man in America. So suddenly people were not only watching news for the first time, but it became a part of their day-to-day life. And this marks a change in us as people. Now that everybody had televisions and newscasters were celebrities, the 1970s also sees the first female newscasters, and every television network at the time has their own version of the news, which gives birth to what we now know as cable news or the 24-hour news network starting in 1980 with CNN. Why is this so important? Because it means that the 1970s were some of the first years where nearly all Americans consumed televised news regularly as a way of life, just in time to watch the aftermath of the Manson family and the discovery of the following. So the following are a list of serial killers that were active in the 1970s. Now, keep in mind, This is only people who were active in the 70s and widely publicized in the 70s. So these are only the people who got national attention. That's not counting smaller murders. That's not counting any spree killers, terrorists, or cults, or mass murders. And it's also not counting your run-of-the-mill murder day-to-day. These guys didn't go pro-murder, you know. They were in the little leagues, the the minor leagues. They didn't go Yeah, this is the, like, all-star American murder team 
Kicking it off, Samuel Little, Juan Corona, John Wayne Gacy, Dennis Rader, also known as BTK, Robert Lee Yates, David Berkowitz, a.k.a. the Son of Sam, Joseph James D'Angelo, now known as the Golden State Killer, also known as Eurons, uh, the Hillside Stranglers, the Alphabet Killer, Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, the start of the Unabomber case, Wayne B. Williams, Dean Corll and his accomplices, Gary Gilmore, who was one of the last people to be killed by firing squad by his own request. Uh, his last words were just, let's do it. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I was damn. like, damn, dude. Uh, he was actually talking to a really hot guard that was working there. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph Paul Franklin, who is famous for shooting Larry Flint of Hustler for publishing interracial porn. And then after arresting him for that, they found out he had killed like 22 other people. Oh, my God. And finally... Senator Ted Cruz, the Zodiac Killer. Yeah, <laughs> you fucking bad beard having piece of shit. Dude, that list just kept going. And I was like, yeah, yeah I'll, I know of some of most of these people. Mm -hmm. I have all their baseball cards. Yeah. They're in my they're in my attic. Yeah, they're the, they're the, the, the new lineup for CBS in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> if you were keeping track, that was 17 names I just read. And that scratches the surface. There are others. A hundred percent. We didn't even get to the like B level serial killers. This is just our A players. So that means if you lived in the 70s, you were watching on the news 1.6 major serial killer cases a year. Almost two huge serial killers every year. That is wild. And it's it does continue a little bit into the 80s. There are a lot of theories about why it happened. People think that this is like the first time we were seeing it and that it was happening just as frequently. We just didn't know about it. Uh, we start to develop DNA stuff at this point. So we think that's why it kind of dies down. But there's also a third theory. This is when gas was leaded. And allegedly people were breathing in so much lead, some people have attributed the rise in crime to pollution in the air, which is crazy. I actually have a third theory, uh, and if you'll give me a second to look yeah, it up. Sure. When did they debut the McRib? Um, <laughs> hmm. 1980s. When did they debut? Oh, oh okay, okay. missed a solid it. theory. Yeah, yeah. But maybe so that's what made it, it die down. <laughs> maybe, maybe, because it resembles human flesh. <laughs> oh, jeez. I was gonna say you can't believe in evil when you believe in the McRib, but yeah. Uh, so all of these people are watching horrible things on TV. They also, a lot of them have PTSD from Vietnam. We're currently in the code in. We're currently in the Cold War. There's a cocaine and crack epidemic. The Watergate scandal is happening, which when I originally wrote this outline, I was like, kind of like our political situation now, except then our president incited an insurrection. <laughs> so it's very different. Um, he was like, hold my beer. But <laughs> he doesn't drink. He yeah. was like, hold my McRib, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming back for it. It won't go bad. It'll be here when I get out of prison. <laughs> I saw that Super Size Me movie. Uh, so, and then capping the end of the 1970s was the Jonestown Massacre, which, although not devil-related at all, the act causes many people to question how regular people could be involved in violence like that without the devil. And then there's the worst thing of all, disco. 
<laughs> okay. All right. Oh, wait on. a second. I love the Bee Gees. I'll have you Bee know. Bee Gees are fantastic. This is true. Here's the thing. Shiny, sparkly balls attract a lot of evil, actually. <laughs> if Pokemon is to be believed. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of the music, but boy, do I love doing cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> So the next few years basically fed this fire. It's pretty easy to understand why everyone living in the 70s was a little on edge. Paige, did it feed the fire or did it feed the Disco Inferno? I, I'm going to call it a Disco Inferno. I think you're right on the money. <laughs> burn, baby, burn. <laughs> Satanic panic. Um, so all of this is happening. People are freaked out already. And then in 1971, the book, The Exorcist, comes out, claiming to be based on a true story, which sends people into full-blown paranoia. Like, already bad, and then they're freaking out even more. So, so this is like all the Facebook conspiracy theories that our parents are believing right now, but it was The absolutely. Exorcist. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. um, but even worse than The Exorcist... Another book comes out in 1972, which would truly kickstart the paranoia that feeds the satanic panic. The Giving Tree. (laughs) 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 Debbie does Dallas, the book version, novelization version. Um, In the alternative ending, it ends with the tree being used to build a noose. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, Jesus. (laughs) That's the satanic Um, version. I was thinking that it was just, and then the boy carved a pentagram into me, <laughs> which is going to be a lot of the stuff in the 80s. Have you guys read the uh, the porn parody, The Taking Tree? <laughs> <laughs> the porn parody could also still be The Giving Tree, just like to put it oh. out there. So did the tree. The tree also liked to put it out there. <laughs> um, no, uh, the book we're talking about is a book in 1972 called The Satan Seller. Uh, was published by a man named Mike Warnke. Now, it has been discredited, uh, but it took 20 years to get discredited. Um, But it was published by a man who is a self-proclaimed Christian evangelist, Mike Warnke, and it recounted a childhood and young adulthood where he claimed that he participated in intense satanic worship and that he was a satanic high priest and was engaged in ritualistic sex orgies. Now, what I want you guys to do before we go into the rest of the things that this book says. Have a sex orgy. I'm on board. Let's do this. All right. I, here I we go. Zoom sex orgy? How? <laughs> I want you to Google Mike Warnke and look at a photo of this man. Warnke is spelled W-A-R-N-K-E. And if you're listening at home, please do it as well. Oh, <laughs> Oh, no one participated in a sex orgy with this man. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm looking at pictures from the time, and it's just. Yes. Oh, he has a a pin on his own shirt that says, what's a worn key? And I'm asking the same thing. I honestly, no clue. Uh, (sighs) But I will let you know that I got all the way through the research on him before I pulled a photo. And by the time I pulled a photo, I was like. Oh, I read all these books for nothing. <laughs> like, he clearly <laughs> was 
This is all a lie. Uh, this is <laughs> this is the stand-up comedian guy too, yes, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh god. Mm-hmm. I yeah. don't he definitely looks like he's some type of circus rodeo perform, performer. He's the human embodiment of gonorrhea is what he is, Andrea. <laughs> no, you have to have sex to get gonorrhea. <laughs> he literally like if he just pulled his hair back into a ponytail, it's comic book guy. Like that's who this is. Yeah. Yeah. I mm-hmm. I hot. Okay. I hate to stop the flow of all the fun things that are going on, but I wanted to let you guys know that uh Every single day in my neighborhood, around five o'clock to eight o'clock, an ice cream truck just kind of drives slowly around the neighborhood, not playing any music. It's just a rusty yellow color and they don't sell like normal ice cream. It's a soft serve truck. So you have to, you know, they, it's not like you get a SpongeBob thing. It's like they put it in a cone for you. Um, the windows are so tinted you can't see who's inside, and I've never seen it stop to serve a customer, and I'm pretty sure that it's the devil inside of that truck. And now that we've been recording it, it has passed by my house four times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mike Ward keys in there. <laughs> well, okay, I know we're all joking about it, but that's going to be real funny in about five oh, minutes. God. Oh, God. Yes. No. It is him. Oh, <laughs> So let me take you through what Mike Warnke says happened to him. So he said that it all started when he enrolled in San Bernardino Valley College. Actually, honestly, sounds about right. If the devil was going to live anywhere. It would be San Bernardino. Um, So he claims at that point that he gets involved in heavy, heavy drug use. And at the same time, claims that he was initiated into a satanic coven called the Brotherhood. In the late 60s. Guys, I was up to like three Tylenol a day. It was out of control. (laughs) I do want to, I do. So the reason that I'm kind of chuckling to myself is because uh, drug use is pretty much a key staple of San Bernardino. Um, And for anyone that doesn't live in California that feels like they're missing out on the joke, San Bernardino is not only relegated to California. It's more of an idea. Like every place in the world has a San Bernardino where uh, education becomes less important and methamphetamine becomes way more prevalent. Uh, That is San Bernardino. That is the place that we're talking about. Like Florida is the San Bernardino of America. Exactly. Yes. Yes. You understand. Yes. Um, Now, after being initiated into the Brotherhood, which, by the way, if anyone is ever making up a story about Satanism and that's the best name they can come up with for their coven, it's fake. Yeah. The Brotherhood. The Brotherhood. That's the name Bullshit. of my Hulk Hogan fan club that I <laughs> eventually had to close. The Brotherhood. The Brotherhood. That name alone makes his like satanic sex orgies way less interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, he does claim at one point to have live-in sex slaves. Hmm. What? Okay. And I was like, I think they're called roommates, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he claims to have risen through the Brotherhood's ranks to become one of three master counselors slash high priests of the Brotherhood. And he boasted that they had over 1,500 followers in three different cities, so, like, this podcast would be a better coven. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. I'm um, so big, you guys. I have 
1,500 followers in three very specific cities. We're not branching further than this. The orgies can't take it. They're also in Alaska. Uh, no, you can't call them, but trust me, they are there. All <laughs> definitely there. We talk on the phone all the time. I have real followers. You've just never seen them. They go to a different school. You know. <laughs> she sent me this picture. No, I didn't cut it out of a JCPenney catalog. Um, that's, that's not an advertisement so... on the back. That's just what her printer paper looks like in Canada. Recycle. Uh, so. He claims in his book to do all of what I would call the stereotypical satanic stuff. Sacrificing cats, calling down demons, cutting off fingers, also kidnapping and rape, which I was like, what was the statute of limitations on this that you were able to write this book? Um, But the weird thing is, at the time, Anton LaVey wasn't doing any of that stuff. So he's basically saying what he thinks that they're doing. But it's not actually what they're doing. And he conveniently, for the kidnapping and rape, didn't participate, just quote-unquote ordered his followers to do it. Mm. Anyway. But this brings us to part of the reason why this eventually gets debunked. Because he claims in his book that he went to San Francisco for the Satanic Conference and claims that he didn't think it was, like, Satan-y enough. He was like, meh. He claims that he met Anton LaVey there and thought he was like a poser and a phony. But here's the thing. People just called Anton LaVey at a certain point and were like, hey, did you meet this guy at the satanic conference? And he's like, there isn't a satanic conference. And I hate that asshole. He best keep my name out his mouth. Oh, shit. (laughs) Caroline? There are other things of mine that he can put in his mouth, but my name, get that shit out of there. Get that shit out. (laughs) Now, here's the other crazy thing. He had a co-author on this book that also wrote another book with another evangelist called The Backside of Satan. (laughs) You talking about Satan's ass? Yes. Um, and the same satanic <laughs> conference is mentioned, the one that doesn't exist. So it's clearly something that, like, while they were writing these two books, they came up with together because it ends up in both books. But the second book, The Backside of Satan, uh, <laughs> specifically places this conference in January of 1966 in San Francisco. Um, right around the time that Anton LaVey is starting the Church of Satan at all. So, like, the, it's not even a thing yet. The backside of Satan is what I call it when I've eaten some really bad Mexican food. <laughs> <laughs> That's the backside of El Diablo. Get it right. <laughs> I just love that these people are so boring that they're like, even Satanism has to have a conference. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Like, We'll check in at the hotel, and then we've got a brunch with the vendors. Yeah, they just don't know how to organize any event that doesn't involve, like, an itinerary and a meet and greet. They're like, yes, even Satanism. Um, Hi, the Hilton? Uh, I was wondering, (laughs) do you provide live-in sex slaves there, or should I bring mine from home? Bring my own. (laughs) Is it like a toothpaste situation where I can call down to the lobby and you send them up? (laughs) May I request room 666? <laughs> you only have 50 rooms. Okay. okay. All right. That, that makes sense. I don't have that much of money. We're going to book the crystal ball room because it sounds like the most evil. Uh. <laughs> have you, are you familiar with my book? I, I'm calling it The Devil's Red Shiny Butt. <laughs> it's a working title. 
I'm doing research for Satan's balloon knot. Can I talk to somebody at your hotel? Um, anyway, they placed the conference in January of 1966. And in both books, uh, Satan's bunghole and <laughs> selling Satan, they both claim that they met and hung out with Charles Manson at this conference. Anyone have a problem with that? People who sat through me lecturing you about Manson for like six hours? I just feel like he would, Charles Manson wouldn't be caught dead in any kind of conference. And like, even if you invented like a, a spider LSD uh, fuck around Guitar. conference, he'd just be like, nah, that's just lame. I wouldn't go to that with a fucking. With, with, with. I'm, I'm neck deep in bitches. I'm too busy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was he in jail at the time? He was in jail at yeah. the time. Yes, yeah. he was. Yeah. Uh, he was definitely still incarcerated. And in fact, he wouldn't even get to San Francisco until the very next year, which is pretty important because in Mike Warnke's book, he talks about joining the Navy in 1966, which means that unless he left the Navy to visit Charles Manson in prison, there was no way their paths would have crossed at all, let alone at a satanic conference that I'm pretty sure never happened. Um, Did but, he self-publish this? Like, what kind of idiot no. was like, this is all true? This is pre-internet, and so I guess nobody Googled anything or looked anything up. Because <laughs> all it would take is, like, one concrete article about what Charles Manson was doing at the time to, like, unravel all of this. Yeah, I was going to say, I bet the internet totally just freaking popped a hole in every compulsive liar sale. I mean, like, yeah, we were able to just discredit this guy from, like, top to bottom but he was getting away with it back then because, like, no one... They are like, okay, I'll take your word for it. Not yeah. true at all. The internet exists today, and people just generate an alternate reality. Like, That's it doesn't true. matter. Uh, Very good point. I don't know about that. As a white woman, I feel offended by these things. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I'd like to speak to your manager, please. Who Who is Satan's manager? I need to talk to him about this bunghole book. Um, so... The other thing, too, nobody asked Anton LaVey about this until 1991 because none of them wanted to talk to Anton LaVey. That's so funny. They could have cleared this up way quicker. But it wasn't until two investigative journalists from a Christian magazine start looking into it that they're like, what if we just called Anton LaVey? And so they do, and he's just like, no, we've never had a conference. What the fuck kind of squares do you think we are? And they're like, that, okay, cool, thanks. Um, but it doesn't end there. The book goes further, uh, you know, in, into bungholes like people must. Um, <laughs> and it posits that there is an international conspiracy involving the Illuminati, which as we know from our research is not real, uh, and that the New World Order is coming, and it's your standard Bilderberg group conspiracy theory, but Mike Warnke said that he couldn't think of a way for it to feasibly be managed and contained and structured because it's too big in scope which is the problem of conspiracy theories is it requires 
so many people to do exactly the right thing at the right time. Yeah, it requires a government that is uh, able to get things done in any capacity, yes. which is absolutely <laughs> impossible. Also, I do want to pause and say that I misheard you for a second, and I thought you said, "Yeah, it's just your run of the run of the mill build a bear experience or uh, build a bear conspiracy." <laughs> I totally heard that yeah, too. I was like, "What?" So, yeah, Bilderberg, the the people that they think you know, the Gettys, the Rothschilds, uh, and the Colonel before he went tats up. Uh, I just so, came up with a great new and uh, a great new business idea: the Bilderberg Workshop. Come on down, <laughs> <laughs> stuff your own billionaire. Just stuff George Soros's. Um, Put a little heart inside of him because God knows they don't have one now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, Do you think that New World Order would be a good name for a business alternative to Amazon? <laughs> Kick-ass name for a band, I know that. Yeah, yeah it yeah. is, yeah. Instead of looking at this and being like, this isn't feasible, I bet this isn't true. Instead, he posits that it is true, and the only logical conclusion is that Satan is the head of the Illuminati Whoa. because he's the only person <laughs> who could manage a conspiracy theory of this scale. God of damn, course. bro. I don't know if it's the three joints that I smoked or the lack of brain cells in my head, but damn, that, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> The devil's in the details. I get it. I get it. Damn. I'm not saying that Satan is the head of the New World Order, but somebody should be asking these questions. Yeah. Um, so he claims that at this point he got worried about the state of the world, and so he left Satanism, but then also at one point claims that one of his live-in sex slaves tries to kill him by forcibly ODing him with heroin. This guy sucks. Okay. Yeah. This guy freaking sucks. So in 1966, the year he claims that the conference happened and he met Charles Manson, he joins the Navy and converts to Christianity, going on to serve six months in Vietnam and win a Purple Heart, which is actually true. So hmm. he does join the Navy. He does fight in Nam. He does win a Purple Heart. But... He wrote a bunch more books, and in every book, the amount of times that he was wounded in battle increases. <laughs> so it was like two times, then five times. It was a whole thing. He started, yeah, eventually he was just counting like paper cuts and shit. Yeah. Yeah. But then as the popularity of his books grow, he decides that he needs to get on the ground in the people to let them know how bad satanic covens are. So he gets an RV, and he outfits it as the Witchmobile, where Hell they yeah. sell things like aerosol fortune teller spray. I don't know what it is. Don't know <laughs> wait, why. Wait, 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 what? Yeah, like till I'm. I have to assume that it's to tell if somebody's like a demon or something. But they were just like cans of spray that were probably just water. Like it's just And nothing. this is how Axe body spray got its start. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. It uh, all started in a van. Well, I was going to say is the van, is it yellow and have really dark tinted windows? <laughs> it's passed by twice. I don't twice. know somebody should be asking these questions. It's passed by twice since I brought it up again. No music. Nothing. <laughs> I want a photo of this place. I'm going to try to get it. It's fucking terrible. It is so Get a scary. video. Because I want to <laughs> yeah. see how it moves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have wheels. It has hands. <laughs> <Little> hands. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it crawls. Um, but the rest of the Witchmobile was 
set up like a diorama of what a coven would look like. So they would have jars of what they called graveyard dust, robes that were they had made specifically for it, and then just tons of Ouija boards and copies of the Satanic Mass. And he started giving speeches whenever the Witchmobile would show up. And he started throwing some jokes in there, which is how he decided that the best way to get his story across was to become a comedian. There are so many videos of it on YouTube. Uh, but let me just break down. There's one that's like, I think must have been the one he sent to people to get him to them to book him. Because mm-hmm. it's like three minutes long. Armando is so upset right now. It is hilarious. You're only going to get more upset because they introduce him. They bring him up on stage as God's one and only voice of comedy. Get the fuck out of here. No. Yikes. Yikes. Are you forgetting about Tim Allen? My personal (laughs) genius? (laughs) (laughs) So like... Quick question. Was he living in the RV? I don't know. Because it sounds like it's packed filled with a lot of shit. And he's just like. It it didn't sound like it. It sounded like we talked a couple episodes back on about when like people would do like dare programs or drunk driving programs. And they would bring crashed cars to your school and set them up there. Yeah. I think it's like that, where he just like shows up with the witchmobile and is like, here's what to look out for, street smarts, and then does comedy that night. Let's get into what his actual comedy is. Yes, 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 yes. His opening joke in the video is, why do people drive on parkways and park on driveways? Because every single joke he tells is stolen. Oh my fucking Everyone. God. <gasps> he does a whole minute of street jokes. I hate but it. He doesn't even talk it's, about Satanism at all. He doesn't oh even no. hit the thing. Oh, no. Wait for it. Wait for it. Because as far as I can tell from the videos I watched, he would do like 10 minutes of street jokes and then break into really serious accounts of like a full sermon of made up stories of satanic abuse where he's like, I've seen a little girl with no legs with my own eyes. And you're just like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? So did you listen to his yeah. uh, stand up? Mm-hmm. I, I need to know like what is the audience's reaction? Or is there oh, laughter? He's fucking destroying. Destroying. What? Yeah. It Must made have been me a simpler so time. Angry. It used to be yeah. so much well, easier to be a comedian back in the day. Yes. Yeah. Um yeah, I have uh, some friends that do a show about crashed airplanes and I asked them once I was like, "Why don't you actually play the black boxes?" you know, with the audio of the crash and the pilots instead of just saying what happens. And they're like, we decided it was too upsetting. And I feel like that's what you're doing for us right now, Paige. Yeah. <laughs> like his comedy is too upsetting to, uh, to play. As, as somebody who has listened to many episodes of Black Box Down, we binged it on a road trip earlier this year. Uh, totally want to hear those. Yeah. But I, I, I probably, but I feel like it's like nine, like it's like nine one one calls where like you feel like you want to hear them until you hear the one where someone gets like shot in the call and you're just like, Oh no, I've crossed a line. Like done. I can't <laughs> do this anymore. I'm I'm yep. desensitized. Yeah. Somebody got shot outside my apartment a few days ago and I'm just like, are you ah. serious? Yeah. Well, what yeah. The and fuck? then this weird yellow van was there with yeah. like, a black tinted windows. <laughs> it was the ambulance. That's, I was going to say. 
he ends with a full sermon of made-up stories uh, about satanic things that he witnessed that he did not witness. Um, and then he ends every show by singing and having the crowd sing along, Jesus Loves You. Um, and then fade to black credits on the video. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. So fucking cringy. Okay, I, I hate it. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, which is why in 1991, two private investigators from a Christian magazine started calling people who knew him and calling people like Anton LaVey to try and figure it out. Now, they also, these same people debunked a couple other people who wrote similar books around the time because they were all, like, in cahoots. They all knew each other, and they were all writing the same stuff and you know, talking about satanic conferences that never happened, uh, talking about meeting people that they clearly never met. And so these two investigators debunk pretty much all of it. And they write a 12-page article based on their interviews with over 100 people. They have 170 different footnotes and sources. It's basically one of the most comprehensive takedowns ever. Damn. It paints the, at the time, 47-year-old Mike Warnke as a master storyteller from childhood who eventually basically pretends to be the satanic person for the story just to sell the book. They talk to his acquaintances and former friends, and they find out that he had a habit of having tons of extramarital affairs which contributed to three of his divorces which caused him to then marry his fourth wife very shortly after divorcing his third and then as he married his fourth wife published a book called Recovering from Divorce co-authored with his third wife <laughs> okay oh god this yeah. is a power move for sure. Yeah. Uh, so essentially, for all the people that they interviewed throughout his whole life, pretty much every single person was like, no. Like, they, they debunked all of it. The book is out of print, but you can sometimes find it on audiobook or Kindle. Uh, and that's the one called um, uh, Selling Satan, the Evangelical Media and Mike Warnke Scandal. Um, that is the book that basically debunks it and they basically just expand that 12 page article into a much longer book covering a couple other evangelists at the time so like why you said they had 150 sources and i just watched spotlight so i'm an expert in journalism now <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah. uh why did they need to have that many people for something as trivial as lackey or whatever his name is or, or were they just attacking uh, satanic panic because it was well, making such big waves. Here's the thing. Warnke, his book makes him rich. He ends up touring the country giving people tips on recognizing Satanists in their everyday life. And some people go to prison over it. Like, yeah. we'll get into it a lot more next week, but this lays the foundation for widespread belief into something that is demonstra demonstrably false. Um, Did he go to police forces and give talks? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He's That's not the most common one. We're going to wow. cover the most common one next week. But it was churches and police forces anywhere the Witchmobile could travel. And he made billions, like so much money oh, on it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Rolling in money. He could have had like four Witchmobiles. <laughs> 
He's one of the most successful comedians, you could say. I mean, that guy, Mondo, maybe <laughs> someday you'll be like this guy. He's Eat up my there. my fucking Satan's backside. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then the takedown makes a lot more sense because this guy was a huge piece of crap, but he was also affecting other people's lives in, in really bad ways. And so were the other people that they investigated also. And I think to an even greater degree, I think the investigators were like, if we want to take this guy down, if we want to prove that it's false, we have to prove it so undeniably that no one could possibly listen to this guy ever yeah. again. Like, we have to go so far they with it. They had to prove what we all know now, which is that every famous male stand-up comedian is a piece of shit at heart. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I'm not going to No, no, I know. That's why I'm not famous <laughs> yet. We can't, yeah. Um, <laughs> yet. Uh, but let's go back to 1972. Remember that that's when this book was originally published. And the king of bad timing rears its ugly head again because literally the same year, Anton LaVey publishes his book, Satanic Rituals, which basically reinforces the idea that dark occult rituals were a part of life for many Americans. But everything in that book, for the most part, is plagiarized from Aleister Crowley or Thelema, which we have covered, and has been around for decades already. And none of it was part of their normal operations at the Church of Satan. It was purely to troll people and be like, oh, this is the dark shit we're into, even though they weren't. And it literally came out the same year. So everyone freaks out because they've got this book that hasn't been discredited yet. And then another book that seems to back it up. And the book that hasn't been discredited yet is claiming that Anton LaVey is at the heart of a lot of this. And then he releases a book that makes it look like he is. So problems ensue. At least he didn't do stand-up comedy. So in my... Because <laughs> I, I swear to God, I thought you were going to say, that's when Anton LaVey released his stand-up special back at it again. We've I mean, already it figured out he doesn't understand timing so he can't be a comedian <laughs> you'd think so That's, but not true oof, so true so we were trying true. to figure out like why the 70s was such a violent time it's because of fucking mike wardenke was a human that existed at that time people are like i have to murder because this guy sucks yep uh now to make matters even worse in 1973 the film version of the exorcist is released and they did something in that film that had not really been done before outside of the Witchmobile, which was to associate a Ouija board with the devil in pop culture. So following this, basically everyone and their brother who wants to sell a book starts saying that they were former Satanists and have now converted to Christianity, and they start dishing out what they basically say are Satanic secrets. But they are all in cahoots with each other. So John Todd, Herschel Smith, David Hansen, and Mike Wernke all grew up in Southern California. They all have similar books. They all claim that they met Manson at that convention that didn't happen when he was still in prison. And they start basically making up like facts about Satanism. And they get a lot of help from a guy named Jack Chick. Sparrow. Ch <laughs> yeah. So Jack Chick is famous for Chick Tracks, which are those little like Christian comics that people will like hand out on the street corner. Oh, I hate them so much. They're so fucked up. 
Is it more comedy? Yeah, I was going to say, this is my yeah. second least yeah. favorite Christian comics in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, he bases a huge bunch of their tracts on the stories from these books, and they have a really wide reach. So now, add this to the serial killers we mentioned before, particularly the ones like the Alphabet Killer and the Zodiac Killer who use ciphers and symbolism, which make their murders seem more ritualistic, and all of these stories, and just the general unease in the world. And people lost their minds. There was just a general fear that their streets were no longer safe, that satanic cults were hiding everywhere in plain sight, and a fear that society as a whole was truly trending down a dark path and that course correction was needed. And that is where we will pick up next week in the Reagan years. Wow. Man, they really took the Wii out of Ouija board. Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Have any of you guys actually played with the Ouija board? Yes. No. Absolutely not. Yes. Okay. I have, a, Mondo. I have an intense fear of them. Oh, I do too. I have. What are they supposed to do? Like, what's the, the thing? The idea behind a Summon Ouija a board is that you uh, create a situation in which you can kind of uh, have a thinner veil between ghosts and spirits and our world. Um, and then by kind of letting go of your preconceived notions and kind of letting yourself uh, become a group a consciousness rather than just like an individual, you can sort of let the spirit world uh, guide the planchet or the planket, I forget. Planchet. Planchet, yeah. yeah uh, across the board. And you can ask a spirit questions, but it's not a specific spirit. It's dependent on like, you know, whoever, whoever just happens to be around. It's basically like the spirit equivalent of like you're talking to whoever's in the break room right then. It's it's spiritual omegle. Yeah, or whatever exactly. It it's, ch- it's chat roulette for ghosts. It's chat yeah. roulette for ghosts. <laughs> but that's the thing is you never... Just like chat roulette, you never know when you're going to have a good conversation with somebody that is who they say they are or when you're just going to be face to face with a dick. Yeah. But in this case, it's demons. So it's like it could be your grandma. It could be a demon pretending to be your grandma. Who knows? You don't know what you're getting. Uh, I don't fuck with the spirit world. Yeah, ghosts ghosts use NordVPN constantly, so you can (laughs) never see who they are. Hide uh, your data from the corporeal realm. And by the way, we said dad, uh, your dad's ghost, hide his identity. Uh, Yeah, it it was supposed to- So he can watch porn. (laughs) In the spirit world. Um, you're supposed to, you're supposed to be able to, uh, oh God, now I'm just thinking of what ectoplasm has to mean for if, if ghost porn exists, it's very dark. And More dewy. like sextoplasm. Oh am I right? God. I'll leave. I'll, I'll go. Slimer. What are you doing here? Um, <laughs> Hold on guys. I'm, I'm getting something. It's T I D D I E S. I don't <laughs> <laughs> that was too much. You got too far. Yeah, it's it. It was supposed to be a thing where like you could talk to spirits, but more often than not, it's just whoever has the strongest hands freaks out the weakest people. That's all. Yeah, that's what yeah. we. Oh, that sounds actually. like what you did. Yeah. That's, if you've got slow, strong hands, you could prank a bunch of friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all at once. 
So what, what did your spirit tell you, Mondo? Uh, we did it a few times where, um, you know, it, it, we would just kind of use it to freak out like our younger or my friend's younger siblings is kind of. Oh, so you, you were intentionally. Yeah, yeah. yeah you would you move were, it like, around. Buying into it. I, the one Got time it. I tried to do it with a group of people who were also like, we were all like, all right, let's try to see what will happen nothing happened nothing moved um i've heard and read things about how it's more of like unconscious stuff too sometimes like when you really want to believe it will happen so you can also you could make the theoretical argument that nothing happened because we're a group of skeptics trying to make something happen so um my favorite story though is that uh my stepdad my my or my ex stepdad uh, I dumped his ass. Um, wouldn't it be great if that's how it works? By the way, you could break up with your own stepdad. Um, my stepdad oh, was Can terrified. Can you me directions after this? <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my my ex stepdad. He uh, he was terrified of Ouija boards because when he was a kid, he had a, a very terrifying experience with one where one knew uh something about like his life like it quoted a love letter that he had written to like a high school crush or something and so he was like fuck this shit i don't want to play with it anymore and so they like burned the ouija board uh and then the next night uh he heard something creeping outside of his door and he was like terrified and in the morning he found the ouija board with uh and it was like back and just like kind of burned uh and he once told me that story and was just like I never fuck with that shit again. And then he like walked away. And then his older brother, my uncle Danny was like, <laughs> I found that little dumbass note in his fucking backpack. And I fucking moved the thing. <laughs> and I bought two Ouija boards. So we like got the other one and fucking did it. He still believes that shit. What a Bro. fucking idiot. That's, That's so good. That's so yeah. funny. Oh my God. And as far as I know, he still believes it to this day. So that's wow. crazy I was like, dude i was immersed i was like oh wow this is i wow <laughs> yeah you really yeah. got me for sure oh, was this a God. ouija board zoom call <laughs> <laughs> um oh, yeah I, I i'm a big fan of stupid shit like that and also i don't know i i don't know what to believe i don't know if i believe in ghosts or not but um yeah this episode in particular is brought to you by creepy ice cream trucks they're in every neighborhood (laughs) there's one that you're not sure is actually a real business uh maybe that's what this guy's up to now ask a ouija board what is the yellow truck there's a chance that this guy fucking his career is dead and he just used the witch van to sell ice cream neighborhood to neighborhood in los angeles Honestly, from what I've learned about stand-up comedians from my time with these people, uh, it could just be a stand-up comedian living in his van. It so could be. very possible. But then if you pull up, he's like blood popsicles. I made it for my own blood. <laughs> I like that, Andrea. The way you referred to stand-up comedians is like you're fucking. You're that Jane woman who researched uh, Jane Goodall. The, yeah, who researched yeah. the apes or whatever. You're just like as a woman car. in stand-up comedy, it definitely feels that way sometimes. <laughs> we are dancing monkeys. So. Ooh, uh, titties. Ugh. I'm doing monkey <laughs> monkey dance, but no one can see me. I just looked it up. Mike Warren Key, Mike Warren Key is still alive. So Mondo, you can still get that, uh, you know, autograph from him. I'm gonna see if he wants to come on the podcast. I don't think he's got Tweet much him. going on. <laughs> I mean, you should watch that comedy video first. I would rather fucking die before I <laughs> watch that video. <laughs> 
Oh my then God. we get Mike on the podcast. Big fan of your work. Armando Torres here. Uh, yeah. Really love. You know, I've always thought it was funny how we park in driveways and drive oh. in, in parkways. Can I introduce you to this yellow van outside? <laughs> Uh, but in all honesty, our, our episode is actually sponsored by our wonderful, amazing Patreon donors. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash cult podcast for more information. We've got a bunch of tiers with great rewards. Um, we're going to start changing up the way that we do the Patreon stuff so that we can get more content out at a more consistent basis. Uh, because, hey, it turns out that if you've never run a Patreon before and you're new to it, sometimes you don't understand how much work goes into doing the things that you planned on doing. So we're kind of paring it down to make it a little bit more uh, doable for us because with all of the research that goes into each episode, with all of the time that it takes to create an episode, uh, it just was not a feasible thing for us. So that is uh, one of the things that we will be doing. Also, um, if you have not received your Patreon shout out, please hit us up. I needed to make a thing that was like, what do you want to be called in for when you sign up? And I didn't do that initially. So there's just about 300 messages of people being like, hey, I don't know if you shouted me out yet, but if you can, could you call me Dick Butt McGee? Yeah. And so it's like, I don't... This one goes out to you, Dick Butt. Dick Butt McGee. Love you, man. Dick's out for Dick Butt. Butts out for Dick Butt. I'm clicking, clicking out of a tab right now. That is me. It's I am Dick Butt McGee <laughs> typing to Mondo. Uh, but yeah, that, that is again patreon.com uh, slash cult podcast. Uh, Blaine, where can people find you? Ooh, they can find me on the Twitters and the Instagrams. I'm uh, at bgibbles on Twitter, at the underscore Blaine on Instagram, and I do a lot of content with Rooster Teeth. Uh, I have a show called Good Morning from Hell, which is the, probably the reason you guys brought me on for this episode. It's because uh, it's about uh, me playing the Clayton, the little brother of Satan, and uh, my co-host Chris and I interview every soul in hell. Uh, that's my show. Don't wear it <laughs> out. Fun. It's fun. It is a lot of fun. fun. Paige and I have both been guests on it. We're hoping to get Andrea on it uh, soon. Getting Andrea on it. It's happening. Yes. I need recommendations for characters that you want to play, though. Oh, man. Oh, I had a... I had a really good one and I forgot. I'll think about it later. I'm sorry. That was anticlimactic <laughs> as hell. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll use a Ouija board to summon who you're going to play on the show. Oh, my God, please. <laughs> yes. I really do want to play the woman who's always right in every romantic comedy, but turns out to be the villain. Like, I love oh, that trope of she's like. She's in hell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's me, Reese Witherspoon. Uh, yeah, basically. I want to be whoever Reese Witherspoon is in every movie. If you want to find me on the internet, you can do it on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Mondo Does Stuff. It's M-A-N-D-O Does Stuff. And if you want to send me what you think should be in your witchmobile, you could send me those ideas and pitches at Paige Wesley on Twitter or at Rampage Wesley on Instagram. If you guys want to send me pictures of you in capes look i know our audience i know who you guys are i know, <laughs> I know we got some rent fair people capes. i know you got hella capes i want to fucking see them send me your capes on uh twitter and instagram at sundress comic or on tiktok at andre gazetta yay 
or you can check out my art at Andrea Gazetta on Instagram uh, and go to my shop at andreagazetta.com slash shop. I have masks available with a lion's face and it's purple. So all those things. Check it out. Send me your capes. I really want to see capes. Awesome. And if you want to follow our show, you can do it on Instagram at Colt Podcast. Or on Twitter at Colt Podcast Show. You can also send us an email to coltpodcastshow at gmail.com. Or if you want to send us copies of your book detailing your time in a satanic cult, feel free to send those to us at 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237. Like Like the the Shining. Shining. Los Angeles, California, 90065. And last but not least, if you are looking for a fun new place to listen to this show, might we suggest Rooster Teeth? That's not what we do. We don't do that. At Rooster Teeth. <laughs> too, too no, bad. what do you mean? Too bad. I'm I having a word received... with HR. I don't like this. You're making a mockery of our company's name, and I will not have. I will not take it. I've only received several emails from Nikki from HR telling us not to do it anymore, <laughs> um, and several that are telling us that we have been cut from Rooster Teeth. But if you, uh, in the meantime. <laughs> want to listen to our show somewhere else you can find us on rooster teeth's official website you can find us on the rooster teeth app and then you can download that up you can download that app on a bunch of really cool devices like your xbox your amazon fire stick Uh, i believe you can get us on roku tvs now yep um yeah bunch of cool places so go check that out that again is rooster teeth uh like the world's weirdest dentist that's their slogan that's their official tagline of the company it's in very small letters underneath the rooster yeah like cavity farmers only, <laughs> rooster teeth. <laughs> anyway, forgot about I think... farmers only. Oh fuck! I forgot that was a dark period in our history where they were like, "How can we say white people without just being racist?" <laughs> there are many non-white farmers. I don't know if they're on that site. They I are not. They, they are not. No, they are my family, and they have never heard of it. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say for this episode, don't drink. The hair grease of a comedian in the 1970s. Ah! <laughs> oh. Uh, but also, don't drink the Kool Aid. Bye. Bye. Bye.